0: Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: Welcome to another edition of McCready and Siski, powered by Rain Total Body Fuel. I'm Neil McCready, joined by Tyler Siski here on this Monday January the 29th hope you all had a wonderful weekend hope everyone has the beginning of another uh, another great week your boys uh your boys hit the emotional uh, boredom wall here in my uh, rehab so if I sound perturbed it's because I'm becoming perturbed uh but that's not a you problem that's a me problem. But you're what just isn't a you're, problem for anyone is rain total body fuel 300 milligrams of natural caffeine, BCAAs, electrolytes, zero sugar. It's got what you need to push the limits and achieve your goals. Check them out on Instagram at rain body fuel to learn more. Tyler, how are you? I'm doing
2: great now that we have officially started the show. This was one of those days that I needed a rain. So I'm rocking the uh, kiwi blend today, and um, also I know you probably well I guess we haven't talked about it. Our good friend Jeff Collins, he got hooked up. Bob uh, hooked him up over it, uh, North Carolina. He had I don't know how many places that was. Like I saw 56. the picture. He had
1: a he had a a, a one of those fulls. He had a yeah. big big load of rain. I would uh had some citrus
2: zest on there and some strawberry guava. So I bet he he's he's rocking it up in, in NC. And you know what, Neil? I know I know you're having a down day. Let me tell you who else isn't having a down day, and that's our friends at Cooper Chevrolet. Right now, you can get huge discounts this weekend. Finance any used vehicle with us, and you can save thousands of dollars with a rate relief discount program. Call two five six-236-4481. That's again 256-236-4481. Four, four, and you can finance your vehicle with those guys at Cooper Chevrolet.
1: I'm also trying not to let the big news story of the day piss me off to a point where I say things I regret. So I'm avoiding avoiding some social media.
2: What is uh, the what is the news story today?
1: The the three soldiers who were uh out of the Georgia Reserve oh. that were killed overseas.
2: Yeah. I got a, I got a hot take on that one. I'm going to uh, try to keep my hot take to, a, to sports today.
1: The, uh, the white house spokeswoman, I'm sure she would prefer to be called a spokesperson. She referred to them. She couldn't call them young men or men or soldiers. She called them folks, folks. She was searching for a word and kept coming up with folks. No, folks. they were young men. They were young men. They were soldiers. Um,
2: yeah, this one's gonna be. A, I'll be interested to see the. Uh, we were talking about the uh, response part of that today, this morning. So I'll be interested to see what happens there. Yeah. All right, Neil. Yesterday, I know, I know you're laid up. You got to watch a lot of TV. NBA's going. You got college basketball going. Yeah. But yesterday, Neil, one of my favorite days of the year, championship Sunday. Started off with your favorite team, the Kansas City Chiefs, and Captain Pfizer taking on Lamar Jackson and your second favorite team, the Baltimore Ravens. How excited were you to watch that game yesterday?
1: Um, You know, I was not very excited about the contest. Um, I watched – I had it on mute, and I was watching the Thunder and the Pistons. The Pistons, the worst team in the NBA. Beat the Thunder by sixteen points, which made no sense at all.
2: I saw that could be the worst NBA team of all time, and that's just the NBA. They just they didn't just like squeak one out.
1: No, they 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 beat the hell out of the Thunder Uh, the (laughs) day after the Spurs beat the Timberwolves, which also made no sense at all. But it it it, in in NBA uh, January is the dog days, and so it happens. Thunder been on the road a lot, so it, it showed showed um so anyway by the time that ended it's about halftime of the ravens game and i watched the second half with um consternation i suppose would be the term that i would use i i i I definitely was cheering for the ravens i don't like the chiefs i just don't like them i don't like this story um i figure you wrote the story I have I have zero doubt as to what's coming in 13 days. Zero doubt. I will tell you now, we can go ahead and talk about it. The Chiefs are going to win the Super Bowl. And if there is any way at all for Captain Pfizer himself, Travis Kelsey, to win the MVP award, he will win it. He won it Sunday, by the way. Huh? He won, he won it Sunday. Yeah. Well, I mean, if there's any way he can be the Super Bowl MVP, he will win it. And mark my words, they will show up on the campaign trail.
2: Oh, so mark I didn't realize my my words. words. All right. Got a question for you because we had this debate the other day. And I know y'all turned in. Y'all didn't realize y'all were turning into Outkick uh, uh, podcast today. <laughs> but he got paid $20 million for that commercial. Mm hmm would
1: you have done that commercial for $20 million? I mean, I'd love to sit here and tell you that I wouldn't. Um, I mean, $20 million. Now, for him, $20 million, and for me, $20 million are two different things. But, I mean, here's the question. Here's the question I'd really love to know. I mean, if we're going to be serious and just have an honest conversation about this, gut of guts. Did Travis Kelsey really get the booster? No, he took the check. Took the check, did the commercial. So took the check, did the commercial. I mean, I guess if you told me, hey, all I gotta do is say I got it and do the little shot. I mean, I, I would feel I would feel dirty, but I could I turn down 20 million dollars? No, I couldn't. Um, if I were if I were him, could I turn down 20 million dollars? Maybe. Um I, I look. I, I'm in the minority on this. There are a lot of people that are like. Oh, they, they clearly are in love with one another, and blah 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 blah. I, 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 I this is this is all awfully convenient. Yeah. That, that during the football season, one of the more recognizable players in the league with a super successful podcast with his brother Jason. Yep. Yeah. Jason's documentaries out on Amazon or Netflix or what Netflix or whatnot. Amazon Prime. They just played each other in the Super Bowl. He plays for one of the most recognizable teams in the league, the defending champ, uh, plays with the arguably the greatest quarterback ever. Um, he just suddenly starts dating <laughs> the most rec- one of the two most recognizable stars in the music industry. Probably any industry, right? But yeah, but I'll just leave it at music industry. But yeah, okay. certainly. I mean, that's you know, and, and and the world recognizes musicians more than they recognize almost anyone. And this relationship happens to blossom during the NFL season, when she lots can of be, time. lots of time lots when of time. she can be on screen every Sunday, and on the field after the game Sunday. And sure enough, they've already the New York Times has already written the story. Maybe it was the athletic, one or the other. I saw the New York Times tweeted about how she can get to Las Vegas in plenty of time that day to see her boo play for the title. Um, there's no doubt who's winning the game. No doubt who's winning the game. Um, yeah, I kind
2: of—I have to admit, I kind of took. Um, when you just look at. I, I got made fun of by so many people that are listening to this podcast. I decided, I told you before we started taping, I hit a nice little parlay yesterday. I took the Chiefs plus four and a half points. I also took the Lions plus seven and a half points. But everybody's like, man, like that Lions pick, don't like that first pick. And I stuck with common sense on this. that there's no way that the NFL was not going to let the Chiefs get to the Super Bowl. It just wasn't going to happen. We talked about it Thursday. I, I stuck with it, and it hit. Um, in the game itself, now that now that we've got to do with Taylor Swift, the there's a lot of – this game was uh, the Chiefs defense. We can talk about all we want to about Patrick Mahomes, and he is phenomenal. Uh, we can talk about Captain Pfizer and his performance in the playoffs, which is phenomenal. The Chiefs' defense is the difference between their this team this year and any other team they've had because they aren't as explosive as they've been on, on offense in the past. But defensively, they're so good. Uh, Spagno, Spags has got these guys rolling. Um, they literally, with good players, but their game plan going into that game forced uh, Baltimore to panic. And what I mean by that is this, is I I mentioned it, I I noticed it, I I was like, man, the Ravens come out and they go three and out or whatever, and the the Chiefs take like seven, eight minutes off the clock. And then the Ravens more quickly, but then the the Chiefs do it again, seven, eight minutes. You looked up and you're halfway through the third quarter and, and the Ravens have touched the ball two times. And they get they're down 14 to 7, but they start panicking. They totally went away from the running game offensively, started going getting to the passing game too early, almost like they were trailing, you know, it was late in the game. Just got off their game plan uh offensively. It felt like pretty early. And the Chiefs were able to, to really, I would say, maintain Lamar in the pocket. I mean, they didn't stop him completely, but he didn't overly kill them. No. Um and and look, I'm I'm on record saying this. We get killed on TikTok every time I say something about this. So I imagine this will not be any different than the past. Lamar Jackson is a extremely talented quarterback, but something happens in big moments, man. Something happens. And I really thought I was wrong this year because they were kicking the shit out of good teams down the stretch. Um and I was like, this is their year. But they just he disappears in the playoffs. You know what I mean? Like he just it's not the same. What's changed? What changed? Because it wasn't the quality opponent. Is the moment too big? Uh I don't know. It just I don't it just seemed like there was a whole even the the did you watch any of the post-game interviews with him or see any of those? No. If you get a chance, just peek at him. It, it just it didn't look like it bothered that much for losing. You know what I mean? He was smiling, laughing and joking, like. I don't know. Something just was off. I don't know if that was his defense mechanism of handling the heat of the moment, but it just, I don't know. Something was off there, but you got to give credit to the chief's defense for what they did and how they were able to contain him. Cause that was, I mean, they, they hold him to set, you know, 10 points and really three after the first, after the second drive of the game.
1: Well, and the big play in that game was the Zay Flowers fumble at the, at the goal line. That, that was the game. That was the play that if, if he gets in there, it's a three point game. It's going to ha- have a different feel to it. Um, when he fumbled that ball and the and the it was recovered by the Chiefs in the end zone, I, th- I thought that was it. I know there was another drive and Lamar threw the interception on a play where I I thought there could have been an interference call, frankly. But um, anyway, it, it, you get through the pick, and that was that. But the the Flowers fumble was the play of the game. I mean, it was a play that that. Uh, was it Sneed who made that play? Um, yes. You know, it was just a a big-time play right there inside the one-yard line. The ball punched out, recovered in the end zone by the by the Chiefs. And to me, that was night-night. That was it. And, you know, if, if you give the Ravens a score there, maybe we're having a different conversation today because it, the, that would have certainly changed the feel of the game and put some pressure on that Chiefs offense. As it was, the Chiefs offense didn't have to do a lot. And so there was never real, mu- really, all that much pressure on them after the first half. And you know, I can make all the Pfizer jokes I want to make, and I can make jokes about the campaign that's coming up, where uh, Taylor and and uh, Travis are going to be on the uh, on the stage with with. You couldn't uh, think of
2: his name. You were about to call him Captain Pfizer again. You couldn't. They were going to be.
1: They're going to be on the stage with uh, with Biden and Harris and all that doing the campaign stops. But the truth is, give credit where it's due. It was a big time play made by the Chiefs right there on defense to force a turnover inside the one and change the entire complexion of the game.
2: Yeah. So I, I actually agree with you because I think momentum is a big thing. They kind of started getting a little momentum on that drive. And he fumbles. And here, here's the thing there's been a lot, and there's, it's going to come up again this week. As this week goes on, people start breaking this game down. The NFL is looking into changing this rule. Uh, with fumbles into the end zone. Uh, I think they came out and said something about it maybe last week or whatever it was w- week before. Uh, ironically, it happens in this game. I think that may be the dumbest decision in the history of freaking football to look at changing this rule. Well, it got, it got recovered in the end zone, though. Yeah, but what I'm saying is, is that if you fumble – if you f- – I'm talking about if you fumble, if he was to fumble into the end zone and it go, they go out of bounds, right? yeah, through the back end, end zone. zone or through the end zone or to the side, they're looking at changing that rule, uh taking it back to the spot of the uh of the fumble. And here's the deal: is this this rule's been around as I mean forever. Um, you can't change this rule because every moron that ever gets the ball on first down everything's going to turn into a leaping contest at the goal line it's going to be so dumb um but you can't and this goes back to Zay Flowers I think he's a very he's a very talented player he is a rookie but he's extremely immature I mean he got a 15 yard penalty for doing that you got to be smarter than that there was no reason to 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 do that at that situation you're going to have the ball at the freaking foot line and be able to do whatever you want to to score you just don't, unless it's fourth down, you don't do that. And there's no reason to to reach out and do that. And that's that's a coaching point that every skill player is ever taught. And it's amazing how many guys, you know, I don't know why, but that was just a very immature play on him to even try to reach out and do it because he knew he probably wasn't going to get there anyway. Um, and it's just, you know, but to change the rule is going to give those guys a reason to do it. And you're just going to have – it's going to create more situations where, okay, now did he have control of the ball when he was going across and all that stuff because you just don't reach the ball out unless it's fourth down. But um, I'm in agreement with you on that. I think that changed everything there. And then, look, kind of hit him the last two weeks. Dude, Patrick Mahomes, I give him all kinds of shit, but he is the – and we give him, you know, him and Captain Pfizer shit all the time. But, dude, this guy's Unbelievable. He had, a ter- he
1: had a terrific game.
2: I think he started out as 12 or 13, 13 or 14, something like that. And then just his ability to ad-lib and make things happen on the run and, and keep his eyes downfield, I almost feel shocked when the ball falls incomplete when it leaves his hand. Like you just know it's going to be complete. The guy's going to be open. Uh, he's a stud of all studs. So they went up there 17 to 10. And then – The big debate, the 49ers come back, they beat the Lions 34-31. The big discussion uh, all day and probably will be probably all offseason is uh, the Campbell decision to go forward on fourth down all game. And the – a lot of people criticize him. A lot of people, you know, this, that, this, that. I kind of got I I kind of am uh, riding the fence on the, on this one, Neil. Um, the coach part of me says be consistent. Whatever you're doing, you do it, and you can't let the results of one play because it's a it's a press. Well, I call them press conference decisions. You know, if they work, nobody gives you credit for them, and if they don't, and if they uh, don't work, you got to answer questions about them in the press conference. Yeah. Um. With all that being – so I am I get it. That's what got him here. He's been doing it since he got the job. This is nothing that just happened in this game. It's not like he said, hey, we're going to be aggressive this game. He's aggressive ever since he's been a head coach. And so being like that has got them to this point. With that being said, the only one, the only one that I – I actually have two, but uh, more. my last one was more because I was gambling. Uh, the only one that I – I honestly disagreed with was the uh when it's 7 minutes to go in the in the third quarter uh they're up by 14 and they have a it was like a 40, you know, 45 yard field goal would have been um to to put up three scores. That's the one. Three scores in the third quarter. You've been dominating the game. I think that kills all momentum. Uh San Francisco was was ready to quit and you know looked up one play later, they bounce one off a of face mask to get the ball at the five-yard line. They score, fumble, score. I mean, you look up and you're tied. You know, was it two minutes later the game's tied?
1: Yeah, I think um, I think you nailed it. I had no problem with the decision before the half to kick the field goal. I thought that was the right move. Um, I didn't have a problem with the one at the end where it would have been a 48-yarder. Um, It's not automatic with that kicker. But the one where, like you said, they had – I took a 24-7 to lead at the half, held San Francisco to a field goal, It's 24-10. If you get a field goal right there, make it 27-10, you've answered the bell for the second half. You took a couple of body blows. You answered with a couple of body blows. And you're right back where you were at the half. And that's a lot for, for uh, San Francisco to have to overcome. But instead, by not getting it, you breathe some life into them. And I realize if you missed the kick, it would have been the same thing. Right. But if you make the kick, you probably win the game. And then the other play in that game that I just thought was so big, so big was the fumble, the Jamil Gibbs fumble. I, I just thought it completely flipped momentum for good. Yeah, uh, so
2: that was and that uh, was a legit. That was yes, it was a fumble, but you know they earned that. You know what I mean? Like they stripped
1: it. They you. Well, he they, went. He went to the wrong. He went to the wrong side. Uh, they didn't. They didn't have the right. Someone either either he or Goff made a mistake as to where the play was supposed to go, and and so the play was discombobulated from the get go, and he was moving the ball, and it got knocked out, and there was a play right there. I just thought that was. I thought that was the biggest play in that game. From that point forward, it felt like it felt like it was inevitable that the 49ers were going to win. Yeah,
2: if you like I get the book stuff, and I actually read an article this morning. The decision analytically, the decision to go for it there was seven minutes to go in third quarter. It's it 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 led by 02 percent than to go than to kick the field goal. And I just at this it, they'd been stuffed. This is when you gotta like use analytics and like common sense and game flow and how it's going and things like that. I just don't believe you can be a straight analytical guy doing. Do, I think you have to use a combination. Yeah. And um, that to me, you're up three possessions or two possessions. It's gonna take three scores to to get you um, late in the third quarter. Uh, I just think that that wins the game. But yeah, the, the fumble. It was like oh shit now. The end of the game, I was really pissed as a gambler because I needed seven and a half points. They're down 10. I was like screaming, kick the field goal on fourth down to get it inside seven points. <laughs> I was I was pretty pissed. They I, if they would have been stopped on fourth and goal right there, um, after getting the ball to the two-yard line, I was gonna lose my mind because I, need, I needed literally a field goal or a touchdown. It didn't matter to cover to hit my parlay. Uh, but they hey, they scored on fourth down, so it was all all forgiven. But I was yelling at, I was yelling at the TV to police. Uh, kick a
1: field goal, and then uh, use your timeouts. But um, I will say this. If I'm if I'm Dan Campbell, it's a little life advice. Life advice presented by State Farm agent Cole Walters. Cole is licensed in auto, home, life, health, business, and pet insurance for the whole state of Georgia. Contact Cole at 706-525-7850. You can also find him at colewaltersinsurance.com. My life advice would be, hey, man, don't stop being you. Don't stop being you. Your team knows what to expect. It's not always going to work. Don't look like one decision that didn't pay off changed your entire philosophy moving forward. He talked about – he was right, too, after the game, Dan Campbell did. It's hard to get there. It's going to be harder to get there again. Schedule is going to be tougher. You're not going to sneak up on anybody. Everyone's going to circle you. You're going to be a big game for people. But uh, that's a team that they can they can use this as fuel and uh, and get ready for next year, or uh, they can let this break them. And I think Campbell's going to be the guy that's going to stay true to himself. This is this is how he it's how he rolls. They won some games this year by being aggressive. Um, they, they certainly developed a, a mentality by being aggressive and, um, you know, he said he didn't regret any of his decisions and I, I give him credit for that. I I don't, I don't think he did. I think he, he played the game to win the game and he was being aggressive. And, you know, if, if you convert that fourth and two and you score a touchdown on that drive and you answer a field goal with a touchdown, that game is over. He was going for the knockout. And yep. I don't question him for that. I, I not every not every knockout punch lands.
2: Yeah. And then here's another thing that's really on the flip side, because they're going to play here in the Super Bowl. And I know you saw that you probably saw it too. I've been seeing it all year, but it's just it really showed up. And I was really hoping that it was a uh a regular season thing. The defensive effort on the 49ers defense is atrocious. It's bad, and if you can't give any better effort than you're giving out there, um, in a freaking NFC Championship game, that's embarrassing. It's going to cost them. Um, Captain Pfizer or no Captain Pfizer commercial, I'd be picking. I'm going to pick the Chiefs anyway. And I, I mean, conspiracy, no conspiracy. However you want you want to joke, but I'm being all kidding aside. Yeah, they're not playing. They're they're not. They're I've never seen uh, football players loaf in a championship game. It was embarrassing. They they had quit, and that's why I keep saying, like, if I was on the sideline, I saw that, and that's when that whole three possession thing comes up. I'm like, dude, we get this thing with three possessions. I mean, they were done, dude. I know they were done. Oh, that's what I mean.
1: I, I I think Campbell was throwing a knockout punch. He it didn't land, and he left himself vulnerable, and he got punched. But his intention was, hey, we're moving the football. We just held them to a field goal. We're going to take this thing right down the throat. We're going to score. And once we score, this bad boy's done. These people are going to exit. They're going to get out of here. And we're headed to the Super Bowl. I think that's where his mind was. And I don't have a problem with that. It just, you know, it doesn't everything. You always talk about this. You you, you worked for Nick Saban. Nick Saban talks about process, 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 process. Process doesn't always End in the results that you want. That's but if you follow the process enough, the results will eventually come out your way. But that doesn't mean that they'll always come out your way. I mean, right. Nick Saban, Nick Saban lost football games in Alabama. I mean, he had great teams that lost football games because sometimes the process on a given day doesn't work. Yep. And so on that day. Dan Campbell it, it it didn't work and and it's easy for media and they do it and I don't have a problem with media doing it it's what we're paid to do but you you can't assume that the 48 yard field goal is going to be true that's uh, that's facts you you can't you can't just go oh yes he definitely would have made that field goal what if he misses it what if it gets blocked what if there's things that could happen even at the professional level so I don't know I didn't I didn't have a big problem with the way Campbell coached the game. I just thought momentum flipped on them so fast uh, with that fumble. It just gave them a short field and then boom, they're in the end zone and now you're stunned, right? You're you're scrambling to do the boxing analogy. You've been hit hard. You're on your feet, but you're not really thinking about fighting anymore. You're thinking about defending yourself. You're thinking about getting to the bell. You're thinking about, getting the cop, hey, getting the, you're seeing three of somebody. Do I hit the one in the middle or what do I do? You know, you're, you're scrambling. I mean, you're in a boxing match and you got hit and you're up, but you're not really there. And that's what happened to the, that's what happened to the lions. They just, they got punched and before they had a chance to recover, they got punched again and then they were on the defensive for a while and they just weren't quite able to do it.
2: I just – while you were talking, I looked it up. In the course of nine plays is what it took on both sides. Nine plays and nine snaps in the game. Yeah. Went from possibly being a three-possession game to a tie game in nine plays.
1: Yeah, it's just – that's the kind of stuff that it's hard to recover from that. That's, that is a dizzying barrage of punches that they all landed. And you yep. – you know, you just – you weren't – you – you see it in a fight sometimes. A boxer's controlling the fight, and then some. You know, he's got he's won the first five rounds, and he's in the sixth round, and he gets hit all of a sudden, and and gets cut or or whatever. And next thing you know, he's lost the round, and he's he's, he's scrambling, and the fight's completely different. And that's what happened to the Lions yesterday. It happens. It's part of it's part of competition. Sometimes momentum in sports is a big thing. I always laugh at people talk about how there's no momentum. It, Definitely, and it's, in sports like football and basketball especially, there's real momentum. Sometimes in baseball, a pitching change can stop the momentum. But in sports like football and basketball, momentum's a real thing.
2: Well, it's funny you bring that up, and then we'll
1: transition to something else here.
2: But um, I have on my wall I'm – in, I'm in my office. We're Zooming. Obviously, we're not on video. But in my office, I have uh, one of my call sheets up from championship game and I have one, two, three, four, I have five plays that are in this on this particular call sheet that literally is under momentum. So if I feel like the momentum has has turned at all, it was a play, you know, a shot play that I, I called a, basically it's a high percentage shot plays or high percentage chunk plays to try to uh, capitalize on momentum. So I actually had a, a section of my call sheet uh, that had momentum on it. All right. Um, I, I saw this, this, I actually saw this yesterday. And I, where I was like, holy shit! It's amazing how uh, Twitter works. I think uh, <laughs> I think our good friend Chase has had some fun with Twitter last week. But so I tried to I tried to back this up as far as I could. There are no less than ten to fifteen different people running with this. Uh, it's like somebody tweeted this, and then a bunch of people tweet on top of it, try to make it like their own tweet. But basically, how it started was it was a, tw- a tweet by NFL Rookie Watch, and it is a um, a social media account that has like you know a hundred and how many has it got? It's got a hundred and forty six thousand followers. They tweeted like a week ago. It says when Brock Purdy visited Alabama, Nick Saban said said to him. And I quote, it says, quote, that's where it gets crazy. You're below average in height. Your arm strength is whatever. Your accuracy is average, end quote. And then it's like, today, Brock Purdy will become whatever. And there's so many other tweets that like, oh, when Brock Purdy visited Alabama, Nick Saban said this. And everybody's trying to make it all, I I need to feel like I need to set the record straight here. Nick Saban has never told a recruit that a day in his life. Somebody probably has the eval of Nick saying that his height is below below average height, below average arm strength, uh, average accuracy. May have read a his film eval, but at no point in time in the history of mankind has Nick Saban read an evaluation back to a player that coincidentally they offered. That is just the most preposterous thing, and people are just running with this. It, they literally have it in quotes. Like so, you're quoting somebody that never said it. So, I thought that was, and then it was like, oh, but Brock Purdy, you know, he's a he's leading them to the divisional title. Okay, I got a few things. One is, is he wrong in his film evaluation there? No. Um, and two is, it's kind of like the old. Oh, it, it still drives me nuts. Is every time an Ole Miss fan brings up uh, some guys that played at Memphis. That we didn't take or whatever is going to Memphis and been a good player. I was like, okay, well, why is it Alabama's fault? What about do you not think that there are other schools out there besides Iowa State that missed on this kid? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like yeah. he ended up going to Iowa State. So that means Ohio State missed on him. I didn't see anything on Ryan Day's evaluation. Uh Jim Harbaugh missed on him because he would have gone to Michigan before that. Uh, every every school in the SEC, I mean, Iowa State, I love them, they're my guys. But there's a lot of schools ahead of Iowa State in the pecking order for quarterbacks.
1: Well, look. If there was never, I'm not even talking about Purdy specifically, just in general. If there was never an evaluation mistake, there would never be any stories like Brock Purdy.
2: That is true.
1: Um. You know there are there are also people who are late bloomers. There are also people who. Um, get some place and get in the, the perfect system for them and develop in a way that maybe other people couldn't have forecasted.
0: We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and five-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details.
1: When you're dealing with humans, I mean, I read this. I was reading about the Cubs. Cubs made a a trade um, a couple weeks ago in which they traded um, one of their young pitchers, a kid named Jackson Ferris, who's from Mississippi, was committed to Ole Miss, but the Cubs signed him out of high school. And uh, Cubs are really high on him, but they needed a left-handed bat. They traded for a former first-round pick of the Dodgers, uh, Billy Bush, who's probably going to get an opportunity to be in the Cubs' everyday lineup this year, right? Yep. And Jed Hoyer, Cubs – uh, president of Baseball Operations, he, he, had a, he had a great comment, and I thought it was interesting because a lot of people in, who love to critique always criticize everything always don't like this. And he said, "Look, is it a ch- is there a chance that we traded away a a a, a, a guy who's going to uh, be really good in the future? Yes, yes," he said. But predicting which 18 and 19 year olds are going to be great is a really hard business. He said, he said, you don't know. He goes, I guess when they're in your system, maybe you have a little more information and a little bit better guess, but it's still a guess because you don't know how they're going to develop. You don't know how they're going to handle different things in their lives. You don't know how they're going to handle adversity, how they're going to handle success, how they're going to handle money, how they're going to handle fame. You don't know. So you're guessing. And it's that way too. Like when you guys are recruiting high school players. Yeah, of course, man. You're you're, you're trained. Your eye is trained. If you're looking at cornerbacks, you're looking for specific skill sets. You can see size, you can see speed, you can see the way he moves his hips, the way that he gauges the ball, all of those things. But you don't know, no matter how much you get to know him and how many people you talk to, you don't know everything that's going on inside his his brain, his heart, his soul. You don't know how he's going to respond to – An ACL tear, how he's going to respond to a broken leg, how he's going to respond to two bad weeks, how he's going to respond to his mom dying in a car crash. You don't know everything. There are guesses. And so, of course, Nick Saban's the best. He's the greatest ever, but that doesn't mean that he's perfect in his evaluations. Has Nick Saban ever made an evaluation mistake? Of course. Has Bill Belichick? You bet. Of course. It's, I don't know why we do this where we find the one or two that, oh, you messed that one up. Okay, well, let's do a story about the 800 that he didn't mess up because he got those right. Is yeah. he perfect? No, he's not perfect. Has Nick Saban ever made an egregious recruiting error? I would venture to guess yes. Yes, he's probably made a really bad eval somewhere in his career. That would be my guess. Has he made many of them? Probably not. Has he made a ton of great evals where he spotted elite talent before his competitors? Yes. To me, when people do the Purdy thing and stuff like that, I just kind of lose my mind. I'm with you. Like some (laughs) kid from Mississippi doesn't get an offer from Ole Miss. He doesn't get an offer from Mississippi State, and he ends up going to Memphis or Arkansas State or whatever and blossoming. And everybody goes, how the hell did you overlook him? I'm like, well, what about the other 12 SEC schools? They didn't offer him either. I mean, it wasn't there yet. It didn't show up on the tape yet. It just didn't. It happens. Yeah. So the other thing I always always joke about and I laugh about
2: is like everybody – I wanted – I just didn't feel like really uh, dealing with that on social media. I was like, hey, guys, um, would there be a Brock Purdy if he had gone to if, – if, Nick Saban said, hey, you're the greatest thing since sliced bread. Would there be a Brock Purdy? You don't know. Well, what I'm saying, all right, think about this. They had this guy at that time that he came out of high school. They had this guy named Jalen Hurts. Then they had Tua. Maybe you could argue about the Mac Jones, but Mac Jones did great in college. So he that had been competition. Oh, and then they had this guy named Bryce Young.
1: Yeah, so the odds are he wouldn't have ever been <laughs> Alabama's starter. And so he ended up at a place that could take time on development. And then he thrived and he built off that confidence and he became a better player and a better player and a better player. And still was the last that. Every, every NFL team passed on him six times. And some of them passed on him seven times. Are we going to do that with every team in the league? Are we going to call sure, up? The, should. I mean, are we going to call up the Cleveland Browns and go, let's talk about the seven times you passed on Brock Purdy. No, nobody does that It, It is it. it I don't know. It's my field. My field sort of looks for negatives a lot. And I mean, I'm guilty of it as well. So I'm not, I'm not saying I'm above it, but the story here is a kid who, a kid <laughs> who was kind of overlooked a few times by everybody. And a kid who the NFL didn't, he was Mr. Irrelevant. He was the last pick of the draft. And he, but what he's done now, he has a pattern of when he gets an opportunity. He takes advantage, and yesterday I thought he had a huge game because if he didn't, if he just had an average game yesterday, um, they would have lost. You know, the guy on the other sideline, Jared Goff, played really well yesterday, and Jared Goff. You know, the the Rams, the Rams g- gave up on Jared Goff. Yep, and and uh, you know he. He's proven that no he's not just a you know there was a couple times when people were like well does Detroit need to go make a better go find a better quarterback no they've got their quarterback he's their leader he's good uh you know people talked about him being immobile last week and there were a couple times yesterday that he moved- made plays right I mean it's just humans
2: you know yeah, he, it worked out for both of those though same uh both la La and because LA would do it again if you guaranteed them Super Bowl, they'd do it again. Of course, so it, it kind of worked out for both on that.
1: Of course, it is—it's the part about sports that—that that, uh, it's what makes sports fun. Really, is the unpredictability of it, and and the fact that you have, um, you know, stories come out of nowhere. It's like it's to finish the thought about what Jed Hoyer was saying, the Cubs guy. He was, he was like, look, you know, you you. So the reason that you want to accumulate talent in your farm system is you want to give yourself as many opportunities as possible. He goes, but there's there's there have been absolutely he didn't name names, but he goes, There have been times when the guy or two that turned out to be great were not who we we were expecting, were not who we thought would be the guys that would turn out to be great, but it was guys who blossomed late or or turned out to be great workers or felt it got got the opportunity at the right time and got around the right people and turned out to be great listeners or responded to adversity. Well, all of those things. So anyway, off, off the soapbox.
2: Oh, you're good. All right, Neil, after our show, we did a show tape on Thursday. We, it, it feels like I was writing this down uh, today on our, on our deal. And I actually had to go back and listen to our show. I was like, I thought we talked about this on Thursday. We've actually talked about this so much that i ha- I didn't even know if we'd already it already happened, but it was. It was Friday after our show, Sharon Moore officially named the head coach of the University of Michigan on Friday. We've talked about it so much. The only thing I wrote it down here for is uh I got a little I got some people questioning my uh thought process on why they need why they need to be hiring, especially after social media posts and things like that. And this is pretty simple why. we, As we sit here Monday at 2.40, Monday, January the 29th at 2.40, he's been the head coach now for, I don't know, three or four days. As of this recording, zero, Neil, like as in one below one, the number one, zero, Z-E-R-O, players have entered the portal since he's been named head coach at Michigan. Now you take that as what, ha- what happened in Tuscaloosa, um, and that's why he is the head football coach at the University of Michigan. And good for them to recognize that.
1: Absolutely, and I think they knew for a while this is the plan that they had in place. They probably probably wasn't exactly a well kept secret inside the building there in Ann Arbor. And Jim Harbaugh leads leads them to a national championship, gets his ring, validates his tenure there, gets a big NFL gig, and Michigan hires the guy who's probably going to let that program continue on somewhat seamlessly. They're 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 not going to, they're not going to have a mass exodus to the portal the way that other programs have had and it's it's probably a uh if it works out, if if they keep winning and they continue to recruit at a high level, it's probably going to be the blueprint that you're going to see other programs try to follow when inevitably change comes at those places. I'm thinking about, you know, a Kirby Smart down the road. Um you know, um Whoever. Places
2: that are winning, good rosters.
1: Yeah, places that are winning, that have good cultures and that kind of thing. You're going to try to maintain it as seamlessly as you can.
2: And I want to say this too. I'm not – I think when you have – when you're not winning and, and culture's not whatever, now I'm cool. You blow it up start over, whatever. Uh, But I think this is going to be – I think you hit the nail on the head. I think with what you're seeing, the, the lack of players going in the portal, uh, particularly impact players going in the portal, uh, zero since he's been named head coach, I think you're going to see a, a blueprint or somebody will, it will try to uh, emulate this um, in the near future. And and look, we can talk about it because we had a bunch obviously listen to our show here. But in the event like Lane Kiffin were to leave and go to the NFL or go take another job, whatever it is, you know, I I think this this bodes well for somebody like Pete Golding, You know, oh for sure uh, to step in. You know, in in a you know successful roster. All right, Neil, uh going to shift gears a little bit. Got a couple of things I want to talk about. We I've actually been talking about this a little bit in my in my business. Um, and because everybody tries to um, you know, there's a there's a saying we mentioned it uh last week, but uh a failure to plan is also known as a plan to fail. So everybody's trying to look ahead and see what they can do to help their teams and and now that we're here, I finally feel like okay talking about it because this is the next time we're we're talking about college football, we're talking about the college football playoff and things like that. There is a uh, bevy of issues that going to the playoffs uh, bring up that have to be addressed. And the first one is, you know, which is what you're seeing, uh, you know, what we talked about a little bit with Alabama last week is depth. I don't think uh, people, fans in particular, have an appreciation of the type of depth it's going to take to actually go win one of these things now, Uh, because you're, you're taking uh, now, you're you're looking at possibly having a 17 game season. Um, And that 17 game season uh, would be playing in the conference championship and not having a buy. So somebody, you know, let's say you had this past, this past season an Alabama and Georgia SEC championship game and where Georgia loses all right, Georgia is going to have to put, to win it all. They're going to have to play seventeen games, and the, yeah. the amount of depth that that requires is pretty crazy, um, and that's a concern. Um, oh yeah, for to sure, for to sure. The portal because all of their like we've talked about these these teams are losing a lot of their depth pieces uh, to the portal because they're not playing. Um, it makes me. I want and I wanted to ask you a, this question. This was kind of the thought thought exercise. I wanted to ask you. Do you think we get to a point to where conference championship games go away?
1: Oh, um, on one hand, yes. Uh, Because I think the games are going to be minimized in terms of their importance in some ways, certainly at the SEC level, the Big Ten level. And then in another way, no those are monumental moneymakers for the league uh, you know anytime are they
2: steal the moneymaker though if you lose importance on it, you know what I'm saying
1: like well know you I know thinking. I mean here's the I mean, I mean here's the argument and I'm I'm just thinking this out loud as we talk, right The SEC basketball tournament's going to get played in Nashville in March. yeah the odds of it being truly meaningful. Pretty pretty small, like for it to be truly meaningful. A team that comes into the tournament without being in the NCAA field wins it and gets an automatic bid, right? Like for Alabama, for Auburn, for Tennessee, for Kentucky, the four teams at the top right now. They were to go play in Nashville at the SEC tournament. Those, does the game really matter? Like, does it really matter if you're Auburn, uh, if you? Win on Friday night in Atlanta in, in Nashville. Does it right. does it really matter? Does it really matter on Saturday? No, but it's amazing. The kids play those games like they matter. Uh, you're playing for a conference championship. Competitors love to compete. Um, so my guess is no, those games don't go away. Uh no time soon. I they're yeah, yeah. You, you know, I my guess is no. Now Is there a chance that you see a team, you know, like a, let's say a 12 and 0 Georgia goes into an SEC championship game. Georgia's 12 and 0. They're ranked number one in every metric. And the computers show that even if they don't win, I guess they wouldn't get one of the four to win. You got to win one of the four. I mean, maybe maybe they've got a couple of injuries that they just simply have to nurse and they try to win with their depth and if they don't they go play some you know they they're going to play a home yeah. game and i don't know i don't I don't know how all that works but you know is it conceivable that a team could sit guys for a championship game knowing that that might mean that hey we're going to play 12 seed Tulane next next saturday in Athens sure um but my feeling my gut feeling is i mean i I I'll do the SEC thing again. SEC baseball tournament every year in in Hoover in May. Every year there's seven, eight teams in that tournament that would be better served to just throw the two games, get the hell out of there, and go get your arms well. And they – damn it, they don't do it. The kids pitch and the kids dive into the damn center field wall and all that stuff because they they have the ability to win a championship. I just – So my my I guess my answer, my gut feeling is that no, the championship games will still get played because people love championships.
2: Yeah. I was just thinking about when you start comparing that the NFL playoffs, you're getting to you know what I'm saying? Like get to the they don't have an AFC South championship game. You know what I'm saying? Like
1: Oh, no, I mean, look, if you if you told me that happens, I I'm not stunned. I mean, I, I think we're headed towards we're headed very fast towards an NFL model, but I don't know. I mean, the way they have it set up right now, those are the, you know, the the automatics to get the top four buys or whatever, you have to win your league. So they, they're attempting to at least prevent that from happening. But
2: All right, the other thing is this is already being put out there, but I don't think people understand exactly why, and I want to kind of clear that up, is there's a lot of talk about, you know, a lot of you've heard, you've probably heard a thousand of them, um, but coach is wanting the recruiting calendar changed and adjusted. You know, as we've added the playoffs and we've added this new portal window, we, we're still just kicking along with this normal recruiting calendar and normal early signing day for high school kids and having two signing days for high school kids, uh, which makes no sense to me, either have one or the other. But anyway, having two signing days for the kids. Um, but as you change the dates and the rules, the calendar needs to follow as well. Uh, the big issue is now, okay, you've gone from having four teams, basically, that have meaningful games after the first week of December. Okay, so the old calendar, the way it's set right now, early signing day, basically 129 of the 133 teams go on about their life and or whatever, and they move on about their day. But now you're going to have, you know, basically 12 teams. There are going to be 12 good teams. um, They're having to prep for real games. You know what I mean? Like you're getting ready to host a playoff game, uh, in the first round to to have that be your the the stretch of recruiting um is is insane much less to deal with the portal of the kids that are going in the portal um and then the portal's gonna be affected too nobody's talking about this nobody's talking about this is we all know how crazy the portal was uh besides the four teams that were in the playoffs come uh the after the championship weeks, right? Well, now that's going to happen with 12 teams instead of four teams. So you're making it, you know, whatever that is, what's 400%, uh, 300% worse. Yeah. And so you're going to have these late, late, late additions to the portal because you got more teams in the playoffs. And these kids aren't opting out of the playoffs. That's the, That was the reason of putting a playoff system in place is now you're going to have, like, real more relevant games in the postseason. These kids aren't going to fall out. Uh, it's going to change coaching hires. Uh, I, I find it hard to believe that all twelve coaches are, are not going to come back after the playoffs. Um, let's take this for example. I mean, all the heat that's that I'm sure Ryan Day's feeling up there because they're not happy with with being a damn near elite team because they're not winning hardware. If Ryan Day was to go lose to Michigan, if he was to go, you know, eleven and one lose to Michigan, host a first round playoff game and lose a first round playoff game, his job is probably in danger. Now yeah. you got. Now you got coaching changes late in the in the season. They have to change this calendar, Um, and I don't know if they. I don't know how important it is to them right now. That's the scary part. Is they got enough issues to deal with? Uh, This is going to lead to a lot of issues down the road.
1: Yeah, I don't. I don't get the sense that any big schedule change is imminent.
2: There won't Uh, need to be, but I'm with you. I don't. I don't see it happening.
1: I don't. I don't see it happening. They. The, the the problem with the February signing date is now more and more kids, especially in football, are doing the early enrollment thing. And you still can, and they could go sign their thing and they, whatever. But I don't know. I, I think you could move up the early date. The problem is if if you move it up, you you literally take the coach's cal. And I know nobody cares about this. I could almost – if we had a chat room, (laughs) I could almost see the chats right now. Oh, well, they're making $9 million. Not everyone's making $9 million. Um, Be nice, though. There's just – there's no way to do the schedule where it's great for everyone.
2: Yeah. Because you you worry (laughs) about, like – Rich, is, Rich Rod has been on our show. And he, I think he said on our show before, you know, he's about moving it up, you know, or, you know, to summertime or whenever. The only issue there is with that at all is you're going you're gonna to miss on some evaluations uh, because you want to try to see senior table some guys. So it's, you're going to miss more. Uh, but more importantly, I, in the world that we're in right now, I think you, 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 you lend yourself to having guys opt out of their high school senior years.
1: Oh, 100%. A kid would have signed with Oregon in July, and he goes, hey, I, I don't want to get hurt. I'm just going to go train. I'm not going to play my senior year. And I mean, I we're, think we're, it, we're not far from that anyway. I mean, that's coming I get, even on this calendar.
2: Yeah, I I think it's coming too, probably sooner rather than later. Um, I would be, in fact, for putting it back to just the one in February – Because it allows you to know, because and using December as your portal window, right? So that's when all your portal, you know, December, January, early enrollees, uh, portal guys. uh, So you kind of know your numbers um, in February. But right now, you got guys, even when the numbers just eighty-five, you got guys that are you're signing guys not even having a clue how many scholarships you're going to have come in like two weeks. Like, I've never yeah. had a I – I don't even know how to keep up. I mean, it's just a nightmare. Um, but that's that's coming. they got to change the calendar. they got to do something to, to make it uh, – alleviate some of the uh, roster issues, especially going to a college football playoff where you're adding games starting decent because you're going to have a game basically the week before Christmas. You're going to have a one second-round game, which are going to be around New Year's Eve. Then you got semifinals and then finals. Well, so I mean, was-
1: the a year from now, the season will have only been over for nine days the title games on January the 20th. Tyler, this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. A common misconception about relationships is that they have to be easy to be right. But sometimes the best ones happen when both people put in the work to make them great. Therapy can be a great place to work through the challenges you face in all of your relationships, whether with friends, work, your significant other, or anyone. I've benefited from therapy. It's helped me do my part in the relationships in my life. Therapy is helpful for learning positive coping skills, how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapist anytime for no additional charge. Become your own soulmate, whether you're looking for one or not. Visit betterhelp.com mpw today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, h-e-l-p dot mpw Um, mpw. A couple of house
2: clean deals here, then I'm going to ask you one question here at the end. Um, I want to clarify with fans. I've been asked this question no less than 46 times in the last two weeks. Really a clarification on the drop-add dates when it comes to portal guys and spring semesters and things like yeah. that. Yeah. You know, there always is a drop-add date, but that's not necessarily the ending date. Um, it's not impossible to get somebody in school after that date. It just requires you have to go get basically signatures, a bunch of signatures across campus from professors that will allow you to, to add late, deans, and things like that. Uh, it has been done before. Uh, the portal kind of puts some new kind of emphasis on this where people think oh he was waiting to this day or whatever but you know mid-year signees with Jucos and things like that have been around a long time and and I've been at schools that we started like January 3rd or fourth and you'd have a drop ad date and you'd have a guy a late guy JUCO that you get a hold of mid-year guy and you can add them as long as you get you have it now it's a pain in the ass but you gotta it's not impossible you know and if I don't know when I know Ole Miss started late, but like if their drop ad date was today and on Thursday, you know, Michigan's best player decided to go into portal. He wanted to come to Ole Miss. You could you could sign, you could go ahead and sign him and get a bunch of uh you had to go across had to put your feet on the ground and drive around or get in a golf cart and get a bunch of signatures, but it's not it's not impossible to get those guys in school. Just so the fans know that. Yeah. All right, Neil, a couple things. One, one is uh, one of our friends. I know one of my dear friends. Corey Batoon hired as defense coordinator at Missouri. Um, so happy for him. Uh, he's, he's kind of my reason for many years. That was my room dog on the road. Uh, we actually lived together for about six months uh, when I took the job at Ole Miss. Um, we've been friends for a long, long, long time. Uh, he is probably one of the smartest X's and O's guys I've been around. Um, superhuman being. Um, and he, uh, gets his shot, uh, at Missouri to be the defensive coordinator. Um, so I'm excited for him and his family. I know he's been, he was with Lane for a little while at FAU. He's been at, uh, South for the last couple of years with Kane. He was at Hawaii. He's kind of been, he was at Arc He He's obviously was old Miss DB's coach, safety's coach, I think. But he was with us, um, you know, especially that first year when we got here and, um, 2012, and he was kind of the um, secret behind the sauce there on defense. He kind of did on defense what I did on offense. Um, just a really good dude, good as and O coach, and excited for him and his family uh, getting back into the SEC. Um, and then your Iowa Hawkeyes. Yeah. Hired hire Tim, Tim Lester. Tim Lester, yep. As the OC. Tim was at the with the Packers. He'd previously been the head coach uh, with Western Michigan. Uh, he was with the Packers this past season.
1: I think um, if this locks up Iowa as a playoff team next year.
2: I think they're probably a host team, right?
1: I mean, if, if not getting a bye.
2: Yeah, definitely a bye team. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, Tim's a hell of a coach now. Um, he was at Western Michigan, had a good run uh, at Western Michigan. Um, that's actually a really, uh, really good hire. Um, it, it surprised me. I'll say that. I was actually really surprised. Um I thought he was going somewhere else, and it was done, uh, and it'd been done for a couple of weeks, and then this one kind of came out of left field. So um, good for him! Uh, I'll tell you after we get off uh, how I know that, but it was uh, it was done him going somewhere else uh, after the Packers were done with their season, and they kind of made the playoffs, and they and they they win a game in the playoffs that kind of extended things. And uh, I'll just say this: the Iowa Hawkeyes have them on new offensive coordinators because Green Bay uh, beat the Cowboys. If the Cowboys had beaten Green Bay, he would have been – he'd be the offensive coordinator somewhere else today. That's oh, how, how about fin- that? That's how finicky this world is. How about uh, that? That's that? all right. now I'm going to finish up with this. We did this last year and literally on this – on this episode a year ago. So, I was like, dude, and we did pretty good. College basketball, We'll we'll – We'll talk a little college basketball as a season. And this is kind of the time where I get – I'm starting to get – I've actually watched more college basketball this year uh, because of the Criteria Club uh, than I have in a long time. So, I'm, I feel like I'm ahead of the game than I was last year. But you you watch it. You co- obviously cover a team uh, in college basketball. So, I'll, I'll give you my three. you I'll let you start. I want three teams. Uh, I know Grind's listening for a futures, give me three teams that you that you look at and you go, what you know? What I see these guys winning the national championship.
1: Uh three teams that I see winning the national championship.
2: Who are you feeling?
1: All right. Well,
2: they just looks different.
1: Houston would be one.
2: Yep, I agree. That's actually one of mine.
1: <laughs> uh, Houston would be one. Um, UConn, no surprise, would be would be one. Yep. Um, I'm gonna give you more than three. Okay. Because I don't know that I can just give three right now. Uh, as much as people focus on their failings in the past, Purdue very much looks like a Final Four team.
2: They're 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 more complete this year than they've been in a while. I feel like I, I don't think they, they're they not just reliant on Edie to win the game. You know what I mean? Like they're, yeah. they they seem to be a complete team. Uh, and they're a fun team to watch because they, they will bust your ass if, if you, uh, that's what where they have such a, where Purdue's dangerous, especially when it gets in to tournament time, is everybody focuses on Edie and he just goes inside out and there's always something up, somebody open on the perimeter. They get clean looks.
1: Uh, Arizona would be one for sure. Uh, um, and I'll give you a couple of wild cards. All right. I don't hate Wisconsin as a futures bet.
2: Ooh. Ooh,
1: I did not have them on my list, but I've watched them a bunch. Okay. And then the other one, if you told me to take a Cinderella, i take St. Mary's out of the West Coast Conference. Wow. you going West Coast
2: Conference. That's some of that criteria club staying up late, watching them bust your games.
1: Um, I have some concerns about sec teams in terms of, and I know that's the next question. I, I just pulled this up cause I was curious quad one records, Tennessee right now is three and four against quad one teams. Alabama's three and five against quad one teams. Auburn is 0 and three against quad one teams. Um, I'm looking for Kentucky. I saw them here. Kentucky is two and three against quad one teams. Um, I'm looking to see if there's another like Cinderella-ish kind of team here. Uh, I'll give you an interesting team for quad one. Interesting. You wouldn't believe this. This team has a four and four record in quad one in the SEC. In the SEC. SEC. Yep. SEC team four and four in quad one games. South Carolina. No, that's a good guess, though. Uh, Texas AM. Really? Uh, South Carolina is three and two in quad okay. one games. They have a 50 RPI, I mean, a 50 uh, net. I, I know we have a lot of Ole Miss people in our audience, so I'll answer your question. Ole Miss is two and two in quad one games.
2: The um and their win would have been Memphis and Texas A&M.
1: Yeah, yep. Um, Florida, Florida. Here's an interesting. One. Florida, their net is 39. They are uh, nine and one at home, but they're they're four and zero oh in Quad Two, six and zero oh in Quad Three, four and zero oh in Quad Four. But they are zero oh and six. The Gators are in Quad One games. All right,
2: check this team cuz this is one of my one of my uh my title favorite teams. One, you said Houston. I think Houston is l- the real deal. Um
1: Houston is 6 and 2 in quad 1. 4 and 0 on neutral sites. They're 18 and 2 overall, 2 and 2 on the road, 12 and 0 at home. They are 2 and 0 in quad 2, 3 and 0 in quad 3, 7 and 0 in quad 4, 6 and 2 in quad 1. They there are they are a team that analytically passes the test.
2: Yeah, they they're and they'll be on tonight. They actually have a tough game tonight on the road at Texas. Um, Texas is one of those teams that can bust your ass anytime they decide to play. Um, but they're fun to watch. I think they're athletically really good. Uh, I think UConn again. UConn's good. You mentioned them. UConn yeah. just seems to be a step back from where they were a year ago, and they're they're really missing the big man in the middle that that dominated like they had it last year.
1: UConn also 18 and 2. They're, they're seven and two in quad one.
2: All right, here, here's my team. This is the one I want you to look up. This is the team that I watch, and I'm like, dang, I, I think these guys got it. Their conference is getting zero respect, but I think maybe that's why they look so damn good. How about the North Carolina Tar Heels?
1: Yeah. I watched them just the other day. I think they're legit. North Carolina, let's see. I'm gonna pull up by conference here, ACC. North Carolina. Uh, they're eight in the net. They are nine and zero at home. Four and three in quad one. Four and zero in quad two. Four and zero in quad three. Five and zero in quad four. Three and three at neutral sites. Five and zero. Um, five and zero on the road. Their three losses have been in neutral sites. So yeah, no, that's that's a good pick. Uh, they've they just – they've been – they've
2: kind of put it together. I think they've won nine or ten in a row now. Um, they're starting to hit their stride. You know, the the, the trendy pick that meets all the criteria did, you know, with offense and defense efficiency and all, efficiency and all that stuff was Auburn. But they're just – they're just – they're too streaky.
1: I don't and, like their guard play. Um, I, yeah. I think their guard play is too inconsistent. Um, they – when they shoot well, they're great. But when they don't, and they didn't the other day at Starkville, when they don't shoot well, they're pretty fallible. Um, look, they're good; they're really good. And Auburn's yeah, no, they're Auburn's. Legit. Yeah, I'm not I'm not picking on them. Their 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 net is nine today, but you know the ten and zero at home.
2: That's the thing; is their home court is such a big advantage.
1: And but they play two and three on mind. the road, four and one on neutral sites. Like this is they're they're interesting, you know. They're and and I'm a big Bruce Pearl guy. I love Bruce. I think he's terrific. I love his social media. Um, he he's always super nice to 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 media when you need something. Uh, I think he's great, but um, they're they're vulnerable in in games because I, I just don't think their guard plays all that good.
2: I'm almost with you. Like if I was betting a futures bet. OK, which is what we were taught, what basically this is coming down to. I'm almost with you. If you told me, hey, Tyler, if the, as you like to say, the basketball gods come down, they say, Tyler, neither Houston nor Purdue is going to win the national championship. And I knew that going in. I think the way it is right now, I think you're going to see a team that, like you mentioned, which was very interesting, Wisconsin, an Iowa State, a yeah. A team that a TCU's got can put it together and go a Baylor, a team that's kind of like upper tier of a league, um, a tough league like the Big 12 is a tough league. Uh, like I think somebody like that can sneak around and make a run and uh get hot late because that's the only thing it really takes. And it's the tournament play once they get hot, it's just hard if you can shoot, uh, you can shoot, but um, that's why I told you, you know, that. I think the world's starting to recognize them a little bit, but South Carolina, man, when South Carolina gets hot shooting the ball, they're 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 hard out.
1: I give you another one that's going to be nobody wants to see them in the tournament in the draw, New Mexico out of the Mountain West. Mountain mm-hmm. West is really good. Yeah, Mountain West is really good. Uh, the, the it's it's where the SEC is in good shape. Like I, I know. People always do the how many are they gonna get? How many are they gonna get? The SEC in the net right now is uh they their second overall. SEC in the net is third, 379, 23, 36, 39, 44 50, Ole Miss is 56, George is 80, 94, 123, 130, and 237. So only one stinker. And then two hurt two that could hurt you if you lost to a Missouri, Arkansas. LSU's kind of fading. They're in some trouble. But everybody else, starting with Georgia going up, is pretty much gonna be a potential resume builder every time you lose. And there aren't any resume killers. I mean, resume builder when you win, and there aren't many resume killers when you lose. It's like, you know, for Ole Miss this week, they get number 36 and number nine come into their place. I mean, you have opportunities to get, you know, sexy wins. It's the funny part about, you know, SEC fans are so used to cheering against other teams in football and in basketball, you, you're cheering (laughs) for teams to win games. You know, you, 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 I mean, in conference play, everybody's going to lose, but like, you don't, you don't want, you know, you, you don't want, you want to, like once you beat a, a Florida for example you don't want them to fade into oblivion you you want them to win you want that win to look as good as possible in March so but it's 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 interesting I, I don't watch as much as you do because I'm not doing my nightly bet the way you do but um there are some there's some fun teams that are interesting to watch that as the season keeps going you kind of keep an eye on
2: them
1: Neil there were times
2: this past week where I was questioning my uh, I thought I needed to call BetterHelp. I thought I may need some help. You know, I yeah. caught myself, I caught myself at my son's 8U basketball game watching St. Peter's host. I don't even remember who they were hosting, uh, Manhattan or somebody like that. And then Friday night, caught myself watching uh, Seattle, Seattle University hosting Utah Valley.
1: Yeah. And get so home. get help. Um,
2: yeah. And so I would I would encourage uh, – there's a lot of Ole Miss fans. I actually saw uh, – heard, heard Chase's report uh, about uh, the camera angle changing in the all season in the basketball arena. Um, if you ever want to be grateful for your camera angle, you should force yourself to turn on the ESPN app and watch one of those Mac games. And I'm not talking about the Mac as in Western Michigan, Central Michigan. I'm talking about the M-A-A-C – uh, St. Peter's, Niagara, watch and listen, watch those camera angles and listen to those announcers and you will come to appreciate uh, any camera angle issue that you have uh, watching college basketball.
0: Very <laughs> so true. It's, it,
2: I felt like I was listening to a, they stole the AM feed of the, <laughs> the radio feed uh, on, the, on the ESPN plus. It was great, but uh, we'll get the, not, not a lot of criteria tonight, Neil. I know it's a straw. I know everybody's upset. The Criteria Club will get cranked back up with some more games tomorrow. So, we'll, we, uh, Criteria Club profited every single day last week, Neil.
1: About that. That's that's a rich investment you don't get every day. That's it. That's
2: all I got for you today, boss.
1: All right, my guy. Appreciate it as always. Don't forget, we've been brought to you by Rain Total Body Fuel. Check them out at Rain Body Fuel to learn more. They've been great to us. Please be great to them as well. Reach out to them on social media. Tell them you appreciate them uh, sponsoring the big show, and we'll be back again. Uh, later in the week, probably talk some more college basketball a bit later in the week. Some big games uh, mid part of the week. Big games this weekend as we uh, get closer to the Super Bowl with just one game left in the football season for uh, before we shut football down for until until August. So far, oh, uh, man, we
2: got we got the UFL, man. We got we got a, we got oh, a whole
1: new league. I stand corrected <laughs> for Tyler Siski. I'm Neil McCrady. Until next time, take care.